Hello, and thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In, nominally your podcast on the IMDb 250, but we are once again traversing away from that very restrictive list to talk about something that's actually kind of related, because Jurassic Park is on it. Today we are talking about the Jurassic Park slash world film series, and we have brought on an extra special guest in Stephen Ray Morris, producer of My Favorite Murder, The Percast, See Jurassic Right, several podcasts. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Lauren, for having me. And Lauren, of course, is our my co-host today. And I just realized I've introduced us in the wrong order, but we're just going to roll with it's it. It's okay. Hi. <laughs> this is not the first time this has happened. And every time I lean into it, Lauren Malisi, thank you for joining me today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Unfortunately, my co-host, my, our other co-host, Kayla Sainange, is not here today. She has <laughs> tragically uh, signed up to go on the Paramore cruise and <laughs> is wow. readying herself for that experience. And I, of Parahoy. course, am Cannon, the host. Wait, it's called Parahoy? Parahoy! Yes, because it, <laughs> uh, it isn't a good, <laughs> a good cruise without a good punny portmanteau. That's true. Yeah. True. So uh, we may never hear from Kayla again. I don't know if she'll actually survive this experience, uh, but you know, at least we'll be stepping into this brave new world on a good note with this podcast. Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, Stephen, we are covering the Jurassic series because you have joined us, and we had already done a Jurassic Park episode way back when. So we're kind of doing a uh, an overview of the series with a focus on park and world. Um, and I'm going, even though Kayla isn't here, I'm going to steal her favorite bit, which is to start every podcast by asking, "What is your history with this movie? When or w- these movies? I guess when did you first see them?" That could be a very open thing, but take it however you want. What is your sure. history with the series? Sure, and I, you know, I, I think I'll do my best to try and not be redundant from the from the previous episode you did. But um, also, quick question: What number is Jurassic Park on the IMDb two fifty? Oh, that is a good question. Let's Ooh. see. Here, I'll, I'll uh, do my intro and or I'll uh, talk about my brief history with it uh, while we find that out. But. Um, Basically, I saw Jurassic Park when I was six years old. Um, I was terrified, but in love with it. It's that thing where I think you hear a lot of stories about people being inspired by Jurassic Park to either become paleontologists or to become filmmakers. I obviously wanted to do both because that's just how I roll, I guess. But um, I'm not good. I'm not good at math. So I decided to try to be in the industry. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, it. It's funny because I think a lot of people would assume based on just, you know, doing a Jurassic Park podcast now and and writing a book and stuff about Jurassic Park and Jurassic World and all this stuff that I've always been obsessed with Jurassic Park. But to be honest, I liked it as a kid and then kind of abandoned it until 
I would say the Jurassic Park 20th anniversary um, in 2013. That was kind of when I was like, oh yeah, this thing really did mean a lot to me as a kid. Maybe I should like see what's going on with that. And then like, I kind of fell in love with it again. So it wasn't like I was a Jurassic Park, like hardcore fan my whole life. Uh, It was more like this thing made such a huge impression on me as a kid. And, and then as an adult, when I first moved to LA, it was like, Oh, okay. This is something that I can uh, obsess over now. You know, when you, when you first have your, you know, it's like when you first have your first job after school, you're just like, okay, what can I preoccupy my time with between work? And I started like, going on, you know, Geek and Sundry or Nerdist and, and reading articles about stuff. And I was like, oh, I want to write stuff like this too. That would be really fun. So yeah, <laughs> kind of a roundabout way of getting back into it. But yeah. No, that still works. And I have I didn't have that journey with this specific movie, but I, I, that is a very familiar journey to me. Like you're lost in the wilderness in your teenage years and suddenly rediscover something again. I mean, Lord of the Rings was my really punk rock phase in high school. So you know, I was... <laughs> Super cool. <laughs> I think I, I, most of my friends had a Lord of the Rings phase. So that is, uh, I did not. What? I'm not a loser. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Around. Just kidding. Well, speaking of the coolest person on this podcast, apparently we'll pivot uh, to this uh, not loser. Lauren, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm I guess kidding. when you were not watching Lord of the Rings and I, when did you see Jurassic Park? Like, what is your relationship to this movie? I actually have no idea. Okay, first thing, Jurassic Park is number 181 on the IMDb 250. What? I have it at 196. Really? Mine says... Oh, really? Is it? Oh, okay, never mind. Oh, I clicked on the highest rated list. <laughs> uh, Into the Wild is currently 181 on the IMDb what? 250. Why? Okay. All right. Anyway, <laughs> fine. I'm flawed. See, I'm not that cool. I clicked on the highest rated one because I got excited. Okay. What is my relationship <laughs> with this film series? I think I saw it when I was... It was I came on TV... When I was like, yeah, like six, and I watched it by myself and it was left alone in front of the TV, and I was so terrified um, and all but perplexed, and science is terrifying. But I was, <laughs> I, I, that's what scares me the most about Jurassic Park is that it, it could happen, I think. And I think people kind of forget about that. And that's not that scientists have actually thought about, like, what if we clone this strain of DNA, like, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's what scares me about it. Um, and then, th- then Weird Al's video for his song, her Jurassic Park song, also scared the shit out of me too. Um, and those were playing on TV like around like the same time. Um, but it was just always on. I feel like in the nineties, like it was it was such a huge big thing so a lot of my a lot of my childhood memories are like it being on tv me being like no i don't want to i can't i don't want to i can't nope nope oh my god nope and i can never think of the names but like the little girl her screaming like he left us oh my god that shows up in a night it shows up in a nightmare every now and again oh my god like yeah 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 (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, like every time I rewatch this movie, I'm reminded of how how uh, fantastic it is, and how oh, man, I, just, I love this. Okay, this is the movie I have probably seen the most in my life, except for Toy Story. Uh, my family was a VHS family with terrible internet until I think uh, two years ago, uh, approximately. <laughs> I do have issues with Jurassic World, which I've sometimes been vocal about. But man, do I love uh, the original Jurassic Park and even the sequels? I have a, had a good time with. But every time I rewatch Jurassic World, I'm reminded of 
just how much of my taste actually did come from Spielberg, despite the fact that I forget that sometimes just because of Jurassic Park, how many times I watched it. And it's probably pretty key to how I absolutely love horror movies. Now I always relate that back to scream, but I think Jurassic world or Jurassic Park might be the actual like origin of that. And yeah, I guess. So <laughs> I didn't end up going through the uh, timeline of the movies, but so we had, it was, it's interesting. Cause every, they just basically it's, you know, we're in an, we're in an era where, you know, three Marvel movies come out once a year. We're getting a new star Wars movie every year. And Jurassic park originally, it was every four years you get a new Jurassic park. So 93, mm-hmm. 97, 2001. And then obviously the long break between Jurassic Park three and Jurassic world from 2001 to 2015. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's in, it seems quaint now that that's how long it would take between movies compared to again, the sort of blockbuster machine we have now where we get, you know, new movies every year or multiple times a year. And mm-hmm. the Jurassic series seems to be going on a three year schedule now, uh, like 2015, 2018 and 2021. Yeah. At least that's what they're aiming for. And even that kind of feels like a long time to go in between movies. Uh, Jurassic or uh, Fallen Kingdom is coming out pretty soon here, but I think if it weren't for the large break between Avatar sequels, it would be, <laughs> it would feel like it had been even longer in between the Jurassic World sequels here. And, uh, I can't uh, wait for those Avatar movies. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> some year, some year they'll happen. But uh. <laughs> I mean, I uh, in looking at the box office for the original trilogy, uh, it's not exactly surprising that they took a long break, given how poorly uh, three did in comparison financially and critically to the Spielberg movies. But I'm still kind of stunned by how well Jurassic World did, even apart from any feelings of the quality of the movie. The fact that it was was it the biggest movie of all time, or at least one of it. It was like one of it's still one of the greatest box office successes ever for this franchise that petered out 14 years ago and came back, not even with Spielberg directing or anything like this guy who made a tiny indie movie. And then like Chris Pratt, who was like kind of a star then I I still don't totally understand how that happened, except that we love dinosaurs. I mean, I think, I mean, Universal was taken by surprise. They didn't they did give the movie a bigger because the movie was initially set to be filmed in the summer of like 20 or 2013. And at one point, like Idris Elba and like Josh Brolin were like attached to it. And at some point there were rumors of Keira Knightley coming back, like as the adult Lex, like all this kind of rumor mill stuff, like over that 14 year period. And then they were finally going to shoot. Yeah, it like a year before it came out, or it was supposed to come out twenty fourteen, and then they delayed it a year to re- to like redo the script and make it bigger and stuff. So they had some confidence in it, but uh, I think the initial projections for it were almost like half of what it eventually made the opening weekend, and you can really tell because Universal didn't do any like the the last like four months for Fallen Kingdom have they've put way more energy into the marketing of Fallen Kingdom than the entire run of the original or of the, of Jurassic world, because I think universal was like, Oh, let's see if people still like dinosaurs or Jurassic movies, but if not, it's no big loss. Uh, and I think, 
it's kind of like frozen where people like Disney didn't expect to be frozen to become the big juggernaut that it was. And so come winter of 2013 or 20, I think 2013 when it came out or 2014, like nobody could buy the toys in, in the stores because they didn't make enough. And I think a similar thing happened with Jurassic world where like they just put the movie out and then everyone was like, wait, we like dinosaurs still. And they were like, what? <laughs> Yeah, it, it 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 went from I don't know hoping they make a profit on it to now how much of that's of that studio's uh like their their yearly budget how much of it are they betting on the fact that not even just the sequel but the entire series is going to be an ongoing giant money maker for them well uh, like the the way the industry operates on tent poles now uh I don't I don't it's just fascinating uh, well, well I don't I mean, know what is their backup plan that the sequel doesn't do as well. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I mean, we don't have a new Minions or Fast and the Furious movie this year, so Fallen Kingdom has to do well. Because those, I mean, that's really Universal's big tentpoles is Fast and the Furious, Minions, and uh, Jurassic Park. So uh, I think they're, I think with Fallen Kingdom, the marketing and just from the way they've been kind of pushing it, I think they're really, actually, I mean, I'm excited as a Jurassic Park fan because I feel like they're finally giving it kind of the same level of uh, of seriousness that you would see out of like the way that the Marvel story group or the way that the Star Wars story group kind of focuses on trying to make the movies not just like appeal to everyone, but to actually be good, which I mean, we'll see. But uh, I mean, I, again, I'm hoping it's obviously much better. It's much more fun to like a movie instead of, you know, especially when Jurassic World came out, everyone was like, what'd you think of it? And I'm like, well, I have some reservation, you know, it's more fun to be enthusiastic about something. I think. Yeah, it, it is. Which is why I, I hated Jurassic world when I first saw it. Uh, uh. I, I, I'm trying, Lauren, I am trying to be like open and forthright. You know, I'm, I really did not like it at all. Uh, very strongly. Uh, and Lauren, I'm, I'm trying sorry, to come clean here. I'm making I'm a confession. I'm, I'm pouring out my soul in front of you, Lauren. Sorry to continue. Continue. <laughs> but in, I will say, in rewatching Jurassic World, I did not dislike it uh, the way I did previously, and I had a much better time watching it. Probably because, uh, as much as I told myself that the things I dislike about it are not tied to my initial feelings for Jurassic Park, I think it was no matter how hard I tried impossible to completely, <laughs> I think it would be impossible to completely dis divorce how I was approaching Jurassic world from my very, like my long history with Jurassic park. And I don't know. I still uh, have several issues with it, I guess, but I, I liked it much more, which I wanted to say, because I want to ask the two of you, <laughs> your feelings on Jurassic park, because I don't want to, I think, uh, Lauren especially might have been a little worried that I was going to come in a little hot in this episode and be <laughs> tremendously negative. And that's not productive. No one wants to hear me talk about like the things I don't like in a movie that has been reviewed several times. I want to hear what people do like about it because there are all, there are things I like about it. And, uh, -huh. uh I, you know, mm -hmm. it's good to like open your heart to new things. <laughs> open your heart wow. to Jurassic world. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess we kind of ended up going right into Jurassic World instead of Jurassic Park, but I think that's kind of fair because I don't know how it would go if we started with Jurassic Park and then went to Jurassic World because comparing 
Trevorrow's work to Spielberg, like comparing anyone to Spielberg seems it's unfair. Like, yes, I completely agree. So, uh, Stephen, uh, Jurassic World. Well, it's funny because because it's, you know, again, that thing of comparing work. I mean, you know, we, we are in an industry where these like, I mean, essentially first time directors, because they're like white dudes are given the keys to a huge friend. I mean, in Colin Trevorrow was just announced to return to the franchise uh, to direct Jurassic World 3. And so it, it is almost, I mean, just the way that the system is set up. It's like, well, Colin Trevorrow only directed essentially one movie before directing Jurassic World. So there's literally no way it can be better than the original. Like that's, it's just a numbers game at that point. And, you know, just thinking about it on that level, I mean, I think, again, I feel like when people ask me what I think about Jurassic World, I think it depends on who's asking me. And, you know, if it's a hardcore Jurassic Park fan, it's like, all right, I got to like, you know, I got to like crack my knuckles. I got to start talking about feathers. I got to start talking about, you know, oh, the uh, inconsistencies between, you know, what Hammond's dying wish was and how he talked to Miss Ronnie. And it's like, you get super, you can get super granular with, you know, oh, well, like what, what, what's going on with Isla Sorna? Like why wasn't Rexy, you know, it's like, but it's like, okay, well, what do I think about it as an actual movie? And I think it's ultimately, for me, it's a movie that, I like to compare it to like Force Awakens where I think both movies were trying to do the same thing, but I think Jurassic World played it a little too safe. I think the Force Awakens went for broke. We're going to bring back our heroes from the original movies. We're going to use practical effects and and puppets and and all this stuff. We're really going to just, we're going to get John Williams. We're going to really make it feel, we're going to get the writer of Empire Strikes Back. It's like, we're going to really make this feel like, you're seeing Star Wars again for the first time. Whereas Jurassic World Universal was like, well, do people really care about animatronics? Let's just have no, you know, there's only one animatronic dinosaur in Jurassic World. It's like, all right, we're going to get this, you know, kind of hot up and coming director, uh, you know, or whatever. And, you know, we're not going to get, you know, even though I love Michael Giacchino, we're not going to get John Williams to come back. I, I, I think Universal, like I, like I was mentioning earlier, I think they were hedging their bets with Jurassic World. And so for me, as much as I love it as a fan of Jurassic Park, it's very like as a blockbuster, it's just a it's just a fun time. Like, and that's what I love about it. It's like I just have a great time watching it, but I obviously want more from it. Steven, what was John Hammond's dying wish? Well, uh so in the canon of Jurassic Park, supposedly, uh, you know, because right now they're doing a bunch of like viral websites. Um there's there's like the dinosaur activist group that's going to be in the new movie where it's called the dinosaur protection group and it's you know there's like posters like march on washington save the dinos and it's all this really great stuff i love when movies have this kind of time material and so they're tying in all the movies into this new one like what was happening in between the movies and you know tying in lost world and Jurassic park three because Jurassic world kind of it didn't ignore the events of the movies, but it just was like, this isn't really important to the story we're telling. Whereas now, so Hammond supposedly died after the events of the lost world in 1997, that the end of that movie is Hammond on CNN. And he's like, instead of being like, we have to, you know, save dinosaurs or do whatever. He's like, let's leave them alone. And, you know, just let life, uh. life find a way. And then all of a sudden in Jurassic world, you know, 20 years later, almost 20 years later, Miss Ronnie is saying to Claire in the middle of the movie, like Hammond's dying wish was for me to basically open a new Jurassic world. And you're kind of like, huh? 
like that doesn't that doesn't kind of compute and so there was a lot of hardcore dress park fans who were very like that's very fishy and then so it's interesting that in the uh a lot of the viral material coming out for the new movie they're basically saying like that's not necessarily the case and it's sort of like a twisting of words where hammond was like protect the dinosaurs and he didn't necessarily say make a new park. He was just like protect the dinosaurs from uh, basically outside forces and stuff. But yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. The, the website's a really cool dinosaur protection group. It's really fun to like browse through the files and yeah, it's really adorable, but like, or it's just, it's just really like, again, it's that thing of like when star Wars fans have uh, all the different like novels and things like that. And Marvel fans have the original comics. It's like Jurassic Park fans were getting our, are fixed with this website. Mm, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. I completely forgot how the third one ended because I didn't have time to watch it <laughs> or, re-wa- or rewatch it. They like one example of like tying in the third movie to uh, into the new movies is that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character, uh, Vic Hoskins, who is like so ridiculous in Jurassic World, but so funny like my favorite moment in the movie, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when he grabs Jake Johnson's drink and just drinks his soda. Like it's such a gross. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a great little character moment where you're just like, Oh, this is that kind of guy. Um, yeah. But, so at the end of Jurassic Park three, the pteranodons are flying off and William H. Macy's like, or uh, Taya Leone is like, Oh, they better not come to Indiana. Cause we'll give them a piece of my mind or whatever. Um, but the pteranodons are flying off possibly, you know, to the mainland or, you know, off the island. Um, and so in the events of the canon or whatever, uh, Vic Hoskins, Vincent D'Onofrio's character is the person who actually rounded them up and like, fa- and like hunted them down basically to make sure they didn't populate the mainland or whatever. So that's like a small example of them kind of like trying to tie in stuff that, you know, they're just trying to, at this point now they're just trying to tie everything together because they want it to be, they just want to make it all like, that's just kind of like what we're into right now is that lore building and that universe stuff. And so, yeah. I, I love how you put a lot of that because I think it helps uh, kind of develop my perspective of it a bit. And it seems like this very, the like basically both the making of the movies and the, the fans of various Jurassic Park movies coming to the new films. It seems like this very uh, tentative balance of doing service to the other movies and trying to tie things in, but also trying to create a new thing. And I guess that's always the balance of these giant franchises now that do span out across decades, basically. (laughs) And so like not, not to mention different filmmakers and different writers, uh, Oh wait, I, I, I forgot, Lauren. What did you What did you think of the movie? I know we talked about it, but I'm like drawing a blank right now. Um, so I rewatched it, and I say I remember we, we, my mom, my sister, and I, we all wanted to see it um in theaters. And I remember I I was totally completely charmed by it. I really was, and I wa- watched again, and I was still again charmed by it. There are, now I will say that, and my I guess my brain always goes to this like any with any movie, but it's like the writing is the first thing I notice. The dialogue is terrible. <laughs> Just crap dialogue, okay? And, you know, action movies really aren't known for their dialogue. But the first Jurassic Park is known for its extremely quotable dialogue. It's very well written. 
it's iconic, okay? There's iconic dialogue in Jurassic Park in the first one. This one did not have any takeaway, like, fun lines, like, whatsoever. So it's, like, a fun movie. I, it's, I feel the same way about Jurassic World I did about, like, the new Blair Witch. Like, it's, like, a fun Ooh, house. Yeah. It's just, like, a good time. Yeah, it's a good time. In terms of, like, real, actual, like, cinema, like, it just doesn't echo the same magic as the original Jurassic Park. And I don't even think they tried to do that at all. Maybe a little bit with, like, Owen and the raptors and his cute little relationship with them and, like, Blue and, like, aww. But it there's there really aren't many parallels that you can draw, I think, between, like, that, like, Jurassic World and Jurassic Park. And I don't know. And the, the lack of, like, takeaway quotes bothers me because we have so many iconic ones. And, like, I feel like a lot of Spielberg films are, like, known for that, right? And, like, I feel like one of the things that you can tell, like, this that this isn't a Spielberg film is because, like, there's no, th- there's no, like, one single moment in the film where I'm like, oh, my God, yes, iconic. Got to replay that scene again. I'm going to think about, I'm going to think, I'm going to lay in bed and think about this scene for my, like, the rest of my life. Maybe the only thing for me that comes close to that is, like, I think it's super cool when it's, like, T-Rex versus the Indominus Rex, like, at the end. Like, that's super cool. It's, like, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, kind <laughs> yes. of. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but other than that, like, I don't know. I like that the Indominus Rex was scary looking, and I like that people got eaten, and a lot of people got eaten. I was super into that. I really liked Gray. I like. I know my, my when I have a kid, he's going to be that <laughs> annoying, and also that smart. Yes. Um. And I really like. I really like the visuals of the park, like in the way they or the world. The way they did that was really really cool. But it's really just like a Jurassic Park film for like a new generation. And it had it. The film didn't seem interested at all. Interested at all in like keeping like that original like. I'm gonna say magic until I'm blue in the face, but it just doesn't have that. So. So I love it for what it is, because it's entertaining, I guess. My friend, uh, my really good friend, Mia Rosella, she said that Jurassic Park movie is a movie that brings dinosaurs to life and Jurassic World is a movie that brings Jurassic Park to life. The focus of Jurassic World is because you think about it where in Jurassic Park, the big swelling moment at the beginning that really makes you believe in the dinosaurs that like on See Jurassic Right, we just did a music episode and my really good friend and really talented musician, my friend Annalise Nelson and I, we like listened to the music of Jurassic Park and then we were like podcasting and then we like, we were just started crying because the music is just so beautiful. Yes. And that's a moment in the movie where everyone's like, wow, dinosaurs are real. And if you contrast that with the moment in Jurassic World where Gray is like, he's like, hurry up. Like, I want to go on, you know, I want to go on everything and see the dinosaurs. And the moment when that big music swells is not over images of the dinosaurs, it's over images of the park. And so, yeah, Mia, mm-hmm. Mia like really summed it up for me where I was like, damn, that was, that's, that's what Jurassic World is. It's basically being like Jurassic Park is real. And so I think that's kind of, I think, Lauren, like getting to your point is that like, 
there really isn't a majesty in that sense because it's, I read some review where it was like, if you don't like theme parks, then you won't like Jurassic World. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess I could see that. Yup. That's, that's true. Actually. No, I was, I was going to say as someone who like grew up in Florida and like has been to Universal Studios 3000 million times, the, the way like the Jurassic like park, like little Island, like on adventure is so accurate to the original Jurassic park film. It's so cool. Um, and so while watching Jurassic World, I'm like, what if Universal Islands of Adventure completely redid this and like made it look more like Jurassic World? I would be I got so excited, like a total nerd thinking about how cool that would be. I mean, I, I think there are plans to update at least the Hollywood one. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they could afford Ugh. to update that, the both parks just from talking to people who've been to both. I've heard that they're, I mean, even the one in Hollywood's a little shabby right now. It could use, could use a little update. The ride is not fun. Like we got this big King Kong stupid ass ride, which is literally like two screens on either side of you. And you're in a little tram that rocks left and then it rocks right. And that's it. Whereas like the Jurassic Park one is you're in the little river boat and there's some dinosaurs and like you get squirted a little bit and then there's a t-rex and then you go down like a giant water slide thing in your little boat like it's pretty lame i think i think jurassic park deserves a much better much cooler ride yeah i think even if you wanted to update it to jurassic world that gyrosphere would make a fun ride i think it'd be so cool i would be so excited um i just hope they wouldn't do it with screens because i feel like at least in hollywood the hollywood universal studios Every new ride is just a collection of screens, and I and I understand they they want to do that to save space. But I feel like the Jurassic Park ride's been around for over twenty years now. I think they could they could invest. I think even if they updated it to Jurassic World, I think it would still it would be enough of the original thing. I think that I don't think they would. You know, they're not going to tear out Harry Potter World in ten years. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, I feel like it's because they, they knocked out, oh, it's called like the part of the Lost Continent to make way for Harry Potter. But I think they should just do away with the entire Lost Continent, which is like next to Jurassic Park and just build over into Jurassic Park. That's what I think they should do. But, you know, what? that's just that's just what I want. <laughs> What wait? What's the lost continent? I don't actually know what that is. It's it's like this mytho like this mythological like island where there's like a, the Sinbad adventure like show is there, and then there's this ride. Or it's not really a ride; it's like an attraction. So like a walk through like thing, and it's like Poseidon versus like some other like god, and I can't think. Of, I love Greek mythology, and I can't think of this for the <laughs> life of me because they're just they're just not fun attractions. There's there's only like a sliver of it left um it would that's just like one of the original like islands it has no like movie like tie-in to anything or it has some movie tie-ins like, obviously like sinbad but the lost continent itself like it doesn't have a specific movie tie-in oh yeah that's right for so. that's right for a jurassic uh jurassic park jurassic world overhaul mm-hmm. so i'm just crossing my fingers because like so like disney world has the dinosaur ride based on the i think the 2001 film dinosaur um they stole the ride based on that yes they do it's terrifying <laughs> have like have you guys seen dinosaur i saw it in theaters when i was a kid i don't think i've seen it since 2003 so i didn't know it still had a living legacy yeah it is like it is so it is so scary oh my god so basically like you you're in this museum and you're gonna get you're gonna go back in time and you're gonna tour uh, i can't i can't think of which period 
Um, but you're gonna you're gonna like tour it, and it's gonna be really cool. But like the guy, like the doctor guy, is like, nah, nah, nah. Like we're gonna go into the Cretaceous period, and we're gonna bring back an iguanodon, and it's gonna be hella dangerous, and we might die, but it's cool. Don't tell nobody, okay? So you're in the dark the whole time. Everything's roaring. It's going really fast. You pull in front of all these meat eaters. The dinosaurs are so realistic looking. It's so scary. And then there's a giant Carnotaurus. Mama, no. Oh my god. I just started to be able to go on that without with like with my eyes open. Cause that part at the end when you're going for the Carnotaurus, no. No, no, no. Those things are terrifying. Okay. And there's gonna be there was a Carnotaurus in the trailer for the new Jurassic World film, right? Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be Yeah. I'm excited because that's one of my it's my only uh this is very specific. It's my only favorite dinosaur that's a carnivore. And so I'm like super giddy that one of my favorite dinosaurs is finally going to be in a Jurassic Park movie. That would be one of your favorite dinosaurs. I would say five out of five or uh, four out of five are, are uh, veggie sources, but Carnotaurus, there's something kind of very specific looking about it where it's like, it's a, I don't know. It's just got those like horns over the eyes and its arms are even shorter than a T-Rex's. You're like, what's that all about? Yeah. They're like big, creepy goat chickens. Yeah. Devil, they're like, like they scare me. Yeah, like if the devil had pets, they would be like those. <laughs> if the devil had pets. <laughs> See, I love raptors and I love iguanodons because they're real cute, real stupid looking. I like a stupid looking dinosaur. I really Yeah, they're like a like a cow. Yeah. And like yes. And I really loved like the way the raptors look in Jurassic World. I think they just look friggin' adorable. I almost wish that they Cause I love that, you know, I love that they have the personalities. Um, you know, I'm a Charlie. That's how I, I think of myself. I'm like a young one and I'm naive, but like, you know, I'm snappy and ambitious. Um, uh, but then poor Charlie, <laughs> but then poor Charlie gets blown up by a rocket launcher in the movie, which makes me sad. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But I almost wish like, you know, it's that thing of like, when I think about Jurassic world where there's certain things that I wish they could have like, pushed more and it's like you almost wish that the raptors would even be more you know if it was like a night if it, i was gonna say if it was a 90s version of jurassic world if it was like a literal 90s if it was like a 90s-esque style version of jurassic world it would almost be like charlie would have like a like a like have an eyebrow piercing you know and like <laughs> i don't know like like i feel like in cartoons in the 90s like animals like had much more like distinctive features you know so you could tell them all apart yeah. where it's like in jurassic world i think a lot of people watching it it was like well that's blue clearly because she's got the blue stripe and then mm-hmm. delta charlie and echo are like pretty close like one of them's brownish one of yeah. them's greenish and then charlie's a little bit smaller and like even lighter green see i know i'm blue because i'm loyal i'm loyal af yeah and i'm scrappy so sorry about your rocket launcher but like yeah (laughs) tyler what which which uh raptor squad member are you see i i haven't thought about this so i don't have an answer prepared uh i don't think there is a i don't i mean i don't are there there was and i know charlie i don't know the name delta delta and echo yeah echo okay Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, in the movie, obviously Blue, and I feel like Blue and Charlie are the closest ones, or like, obviously Blue, and Charlie, 
kind of has a little bit of stuff. And it's funny because I'm probably going to get this wrong, but Delta was, or no, Echo was tossed on the barbecue at the end, which like, I don't mean to define her by her death, but um, <laughs> landing on the barbecue at Margaritaville was pretty spectacular. But um, yeah. I believe Echo was the one that- Got tased? Oh, I don't, that's a good question. You know, yeah, yeah. I think I think Echo was the one like, but then which was- which was the one that, because um, there was the one that was trying to eat the schlubby guy who fell in the cage. And like, like her snout was like, you know, through the cage, like watching him. I forget. I think oh. it's, was that Delta? That might've been Delta. But again, okay. it's like, I feel like I didn't even notice all the differences, you know, until I saw the movie. Yeah. Times, so there's your answer, Tyler. Google- I'm Googling which raptor gets tased in Jurassic. Well, see, I Googled and there actually is a BuzzFeed quiz for this, which I I just, you know, I had to know. It seemed like there had to be one and it turns out there is. I don't know. There's an option. Wait, which one would be defined as the class clown? Because that would probably be me. Do I dare take this BuzzFeed quiz? I don't don't know. This is so cute. Everyone listening to this right now has to to take the BuzzFeed quiz and then just like tweet (laughs) us your answers. Yeah, yeah, if you, yeah. Inc- include the link in the, on Twitter and on the show notes and stuff, and then yeah, we can all. I mean, again, I'm a Charlie, but uh, you know, <laughs> I'm a blue. Tyler's like, oh I'm, I'm, no, I'm, shit! I'm the taking raptor- the. The, raptor, it the raptors have personalities? I know the raptors had personalities. The more you're talking oh, about oh, oh, okay. Lord, oh, okay. Lord, I like things about the movie. <laughs> I did not hate everything. Okay. There are specific things. Like, if anything, my frustration with the movie is because I feel like he do- like th- certain things are done really well, but the things that I don't like about the movie uh, seem like they could have been easily avoided. Like, self-inflicted errors, you know? So a lot of the dialogue, honestly. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I know. Uh, cer- like there are just certain character moments and I'm like, I, cause I get what they're going for with all of the characters, both Bryce, like both the adults and the kids. Like I get what they're going for, but there's certain moments where they just take it too far. And it's usually trying to go for a joke. And I find that it only makes the characters seem worse and just like undercuts all the characters for the sake of an okay joke at best. Like so a, lo- a lot of it's tied to Bryce Dallas Howard's character because she seems like she's very capable and she's focused on her job, but throughout the movie she's guilted for being not the most attentive on, like, I don't even know my siblings ages half the time. I have to count them up in my head. I, I don't, I wouldn't know my nephew's ages, but wow. I've, so I'm really going off on a tangent here, but like <laughs> moments, well, moments where like she killed, like she saves Chris Pratt by machine gunning the, the flying. Do you know the name for the, the dinosaur that was attacking Chris Pratt, Steven? Cause I do not. Uh, technically not it. Technically not a dinosaur. It's a flying reptile. I'm um, sorry. I have to be that. Be that <laughs> right I specifically um, asked. It's totally fine. Oh my no, no, God. No, no, no. I'm, I, yeah, it's funny. Cause there's a great hashtag called, uh, online called hashtag not a dinosaur. So for like Mosasaurus and Pteranodons and Dimorphodons and stuff like that, that are, you know, they, they, ex- I mean, the fact is like at the natural history museum here in LA, when they did a great Petrus, uh, pterosaur exhibit, they ha- still have to use the word dinosaur in the title of the exhibit because people wouldn't know like it's like it's shorthand at this point you know mm-hmm. it, it was like pterosaurs in the time of the dinosaurs because people would be like what's a pterosaur you know it's like it's just let's just get to the 
point, but then I just clearly went on a little thing for a minute. But um, <laughs> the dimorphodon is the name of that. Uh, no, I I, 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 I invite uh... all of those details because I mean you're the expert here. We brought you on because you know more about Jurassic World than all of us and dinosaurs <laughs> and science and paleontology and <laughs> everything. But that like that. But yeah, uh, I mean I. I Oh, I was gonna say I did do better in on my in my dinosaurs class in college than any of my film classes. So you took a dinosaurs class at um, at least for a lot of the California schools. You, I went to UC Santa Barbara. That you have to take a couple of science classes. So mm-hmm. I took a dinosaurs class and a natural disasters class. Wow! And I got a and I got A pluses in both, of, or I got an A in natural disasters, I think. But I did better than any film class I took. <laughs> That's awesome. Also, for the record, oh, uh, yeah. it seems I'm a Delta because I'm a dreamer who always has my head in the clouds. Clouds, and <laughs> wow. I gotta say, I gotta say, you know, it's fair. This is fair. I think it's because I and answered trains. I, I like trains. I love, I love a train. I love a good train. <laughs> but sorry, but that was that moment uh, is emblematic of it because after they they say, "Oh wow, is that Aunt Claire?" But then a minute later, they're saying, oh, no, no, I'm clear. No, we want to stay with this guy. Like, let's hang out with this guy. And there's so much mythologizing within the movie of Chris Pratt's character. And I feel like his character actually might work if it wasn't trying so hard to make him that like any of the shorthands we have, like the Indiana Jones, the Han Solo, the Harrison Ford character of any sort. Uh that that's just one example of where they undercut. But yeah, I can't remember how I got on this tangent, but I like parts of the movie, Lauren. <laughs> well, Owen, Owen Owen has some Chris Pratt's character, Owen Owen, Gra- Owen Grady, Mr. Grady. He has the some of the worst dialogue in the film, I will say. Um, like uh oh my gosh. Yeah. Where's the one I took like a note on where like what what kind of diet like doesn't allow tequila? All of them. Like, all of them actually like what like what like he I, I i like some of the stuff they give him because he he cares about the dinosaurs a lot he cares about animals uh he's very passionate about certain things and i like that and he it shows that he you know he's got that grisly exterior but he does have uh, a caring compassionate soul within him but he gets to just be a jerk to everyone and never gets any sort of pushback on it really uh that might be you know that might be anecdotal evidence I'm submitting, but <laughs> I don't. Oh yeah, all the scenes on the cutting room floor of him being reprimanded by I, superiors. That's what makes me nervous for the the sequel because most of the character bits we have from the sequel that are actually the characters interacting are Bryce Dallas or uh, Owen and Claire. At least the character names. Uh, I, I, it basically introduces like, oh yeah, they kind of had a thing and then they drifted apart and now they have that, you know, that familiar uh, combative repartee going on. And that was not my favorite part of this movie. I don't think it worked very well. I knew what they were trying to do, but I didn't think it worked. And I hope, I hope the characters evolve beyond that in the sequel, because I do really want to like the sequel. Jay Biona made one of my favorite movies in the orphanage. Um, and I, you know, it's, the, the orphanage is really good. Oh, cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to try and see a lot of his films before uh, Fallen Kingdom comes out, because I think that's kind of fun, you know, to like explore a person's catalog. Oh, for sure. Uh, he did. Let's see. He did 
the the orphanage is definitely his best. He also did. Was oh, it the Spanish horror yes. film? Yes, it is. Um, oh my god, that is a scary movie. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's really like one of those really good horror movies that like that it's it's the suspense and like the mood and the atmosphere of the film that scare you and doesn't really rely on like gore and stuff or like you know like blood like it has it just it's just shot in such a way that like you have not you just have nightmares i would say it's unquestionably one of the best 20 horror movies of the uh, like since 2000 there are a lot of orphanage horror movies in Spanish. I, I, I in in the last two decades, I I don't know quite know why, but I love them and keep making more. Uh, he also did The Impossible, and then the big one is A Monster Calls. Uh, he did that two years ago, and that oh. one I have not seen. That's the uh, uh, Liam Neeson is a giant. That's 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 the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 the sad group movie. Oh my god! Liam Neeson is the big sad. Oh, the sad group movie. You're That's kidding true. me! You're kidding me! <laughs> oh no! Oh oh! This looks like a lot. Oh look, a picture of him and Groot come up together. That's funny. Oh my god! This looks like a really sad, like the version of the Iron Giant. That actually was a sad movie. What am I saying? Or like, um, where the wild things are. Oh that movie's so depressing. I know. Oh god, and I, I don't think I read that when I was a kid. Actually, I read way more like sad shit. But also, Lauren, the orphanage is also a very sad movie. It's just also scary. I, but, but it, I just. I remember seeing it like while I maybe it was on TV or something because like at home we get HBO and Espanol and um <laughs> we I am poor I'm Puerto Rican and I said that terribly I'm really sorry mom but I remember I think I remember watching it when it was on and I was just like I can't sleep like can I sleep in your guys's bed tonight like I don't want to do this anymore. Did you say it in that voice too? Did they let you in? Yes, I did. I was like crying, like half crying while I was saying it. I think I watched The Orphanage and fucking Fear of the Dark or whatever with wow. um, from then yeah in like the same weekend. So no wonder I couldn't sleep. I mean, I can't say I'm surprised, Lauren. Uh, wow. Most of the movies we've talked about on this podcast are horror movies. I feel so. I I mean, this seems pretty in keeping with your watching habits. I'm a bad mouse. That's what I'm gonna call okay. myself. <laughs> yeah, Lauren, when you saw the second. Fallen Kingdom trailer that has the kind of new scary dinosaur like pulling back or like going in the child's bedroom. Did that like, did that just, I mean, I feel like a lot of people are hoping since this is the orphanage director that this Jurassic World sequel is going to be super duper scary. Yeah. I don't know. Did you enjoy that? Like that, that those scenes in the trailer of like, in the I, little girl's I bedroom? did. I was like, yes, a little bit of a, I was like, get some horror elements up in here. Cause I think dinosaurs are terrifying. And I really, I really wish I remember, I remember thinking like, I know that like Jurassic world is PG 13, but I was like, why isn't there more blood in this goddamn movie? <laughs> more blood, more blood. So when I saw a little bit of that horror element in the trailer, I was like, yes, this is what I want. This is what I need. Give, give the weird, Weirdos, what they want. We want dinosaurs and blood and like weird horror shit. And yeah, that's like what I think I had a dream like that when I was a kid too, of like a like a Carnotaurus or something, like just like in my bedroom. Oh my and I God. think I peed the bed. 
Holy like shit. that night too because I was so scared. So when I saw that, I was just like, "Who? Ooh, okay, that's too close to home." Now I really want to see that. So, but because the first trailer didn't do it for me at all. Yeah, it was very. Um, I think focusing on like what you're saying, Tyler, kind of focusing on that like wannabe Casablanca style banter, and I, yeah. I I'm hoping that that that's kind of just the setup for the movie and that that's not really how their relationship, like, you know, I hope they're not on the Island bickering as they're like trying to rescue these dinosaurs. I want them to like get that out of the way and then they can just be a team. I don't even mind what their relationship ends up being. I just, it'd be nice if it was a little more defined. Well, I don't need another movie of them having not great. Will they, won't they, kind of thing going on and maybe because the kids won't be there yeah. it'll be like it'll be a little better there won't be someone constantly remarking on i don't know ex- like how chris pratt is awesome i, I just don't need them telling how bryce dallas <laughs> howard how awesome chris pratt is is because he is doing pretty awesome things but yeah they both are i will say i i also like the yeah. second trailer a lot more because the first one like you said the casablanca stuff but also it seems mostly predicated on hitting the same nostalgia, like hitting nostalgia points from the first movie. You have Ian Malcolm, you have that uh, music cue, you have, but there's a third thing too. I think it's like a dinosaur swooping in to eat another dinosaur, kind of like the very ending of the first one. And I don't know. I don't need Uh, it to, I don't need it to replicate the first Jurassic park. They're separate things to me. And this is also the sequel to a very successful movie. I don't know why they need to mine nostalgia to sell it. I think the best thing about the, the, like the trail, I'm sorry. I'm I just Googled like that, that little part like with the dinosaur claw, just like Mm -hmm. reaching for the little girl. Like I thought that was a dream sequence, um, but it's not. And that makes me like, that makes my soul like shiver truly, really and truly. Like, it's not a dream sequence. That's so awesome. Uh, I'm like, if you can't see, but I'm like bawling <laughs> my fists right now and I'm shaking them in excitement like a child. That dinosaur has some wicked claws on it. Like, it looks like something out of a nightmare. And it's teeth. <laughs> it's teeth are so scary, too. Oh my God. Ah. <laughs> I, I want, I, I kind of, uh, I just said I don't need it to imitate Jurassic Park, but one of the things that is really, like, is really great about Jurassic Park is how thrilling it is from, like, as soon as the action starts, uh, it's, what what is a cliche I can use? Like, it's a nail-biting thrill ride. It'll have you on the edge of your seat. Like, I, it actually is all those things, though, and it manages to hit the character points and have the jokes throughout the movie without feeling like they're ham-fisted or put in there, and I kind of hope I just kind of felt like Jurassic World was trying a little too hard in some moments. Like you could see the seams of those things a little too much. And I hope that because they had that success, it will probably have a much larger budget and will be able to do the things that they want to do that they'll feel a little more comfortable. And it, it, they don't need to convert me. They made plenty of money. Like they can, they can make me mad and this series <laughs> will still be fine and we'll, you know, go on our own lives just living fine. But I think that would be cool. <laughs> I mean, I think just by the very nature of what the movie is about, I think is kind of exciting because it's 
I mean, the, the, the four previous Jurassic Park movies have basically shared the same two plots, which is one is a park that gets shut down because dinosaurs escape. And then the other plot is, hey, somebody went to the island and now we have to go rescue them. And so the fact that this movie is not a, is not either of those two plots, I think, I think, well, I mean, I mean, we'll see, obviously, but I think it's going to be better received overall. Because, you know, I can obviously, I don't know, it's, it's always funny to see what kind of films the film, the film community online kind of like chooses to like or dislike. And uh, I feel like a lot of people obviously naturally don't like Jurassic World, and that's understandable. But it's I think Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is exciting, because I think if you weren't on board with Jurassic World, I think it I think this movie is going to give you a chance to, to win you back. Whereas like, you know, I think there's a lot of people now at this point who are like, well, I haven't watched the last 15, 18, 20 Mm -hmm. Marvel movies. So I'm out. And, uh, or, you know, Star Mm -hmm. Wars movies where it's like, well, I don't want to see the, I don't want to see Han Solo or whatever. Like, I think if people were out for Jurassic world, I think Jurassic world fallen kingdom is, is actually inviting people back in which i think is kind of cool and uh, i mean i am one of those people who like i I do Mm -hmm. uh, like i'm looking forward to it uh i had a thought i had no i had a thought and i oh oh i no it was actually another thing i was going to give the first one credit for is i do think that uh jurassic world has some very interesting ideas in it it just doesn't pursue a lot of them it just like uh, there are a lot of them and they're kind of uh partially pursued and i think it would be it'll be it'll benefit the sequel like we talked about the dinosaur rights uh the website which i'll have in the notes of course and i think it'll be very interesting if it pers like picks a couple of ideas or like one main idea and pursues that to like more depth and sees that all the way through as opposed to it being one of several elements within the movie yeah i mean it 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 I mean, now's the chance to actually, because like, even with Steven Spielberg's last Jurassic Park sequel, it kind of didn't, I think a lot of people rightly criticize The Lost World because it doesn't really deal with the implications of, you know, bringing these dinosaurs back to life in a way that I think was very satisfying because it's like, oh, at the end of Jurassic Park, I mean, a lot of people are, or not a lot of people, but it's like Hammond is somebody who created dinosaurs irresponsibly and in the you know in the world of the movies he doesn't really he doesn't i mean sure his park gets shut down but it's not like you know but he's he in that same way that a director of a film is responsible for everything that happens on the film and um you know regardless of whether or not you physically did it as a director like that you are the brand ambassador in that sense and so hammond is responsible for the death of all these people and yet he gets to continue going on his Mm -hmm. merry way and be like, oh, now we can leave the dinosaurs alone. And it's like, well, no, like, what is the actual implications of, of people being held responsible for being complicit in this thing? And I think what's interesting about Fallen Kingdom is that it's the first, it's the first uh, Jurassic movie where the main characters had actual, not literally responsible for the disaster, but they worked for the company that, let the disaster happen and had a hand in it, you know, whereas like Alan Grant and, you know, Ian Malcolm and Ellie Sattler are like, Oh man, you see this crazy Island full of dinosaurs. (laughs) They fucked up. Well, now it's like 
Claire and Owen are like, oh, the company we worked for and the things that we did directly have affected um, things. And so the idea that now we're going to another movie where to actually, or the hope is that you actually get to see uh, the impact of that and to see what they're going to do, uh, like what they're going to do about it, basically. Like how, how are we responsible for this? And I think, I think it's really cool that they're like, well, of course, Claire, because she's such an ambitious person, she's such a, a, a self-starter. She's like, but she's also very naive. So she's like, well, now that I love dinosaurs, I'm going to save the dinosaurs myself. And I'm going to start a company and I'm going to move to San Francisco. And we're going to get lots of buttons and pins and flyers. And I'm going to hire like a bunch of young millennials to design the website. And we're all going to like have a good time marching and trying to save the dinosaurs. Like, I just love that that's kind of the setup where it's like, oh, she's going to do the right thing. But maybe she's also being like kind of going the opposite side of things where it's like she's trying too hard or something. You know, I don't know. They're actually reckoning with the implications of some of what they've been involved when, which isn't something that has happened a lot in the series. No. Yeah. I'm just looking at the Twitter now. The Dino Protection Group. Yeah. Do these animals deserve the same protections given to other species? Or should they just be left to die? These creatures were here before us. And if we're not careful, they're going to be here after. Have we gotten a, a uh, an L.A. Sattler Funko Pop yet? No. Ah! And I... And I'm still boycotting Funko. I'm, I'm still, my boycott is continuing day. Uh, I don't know. It's been like two months. Um, yeah, it's very upsetting. Um, but I was talking with the folks over at Jurassic Outpost and it's not a hundred percent clear, but originally Dr. Ellie Sattler was going to arrive, um, as part of the Jeep Wrangler set. And, on the box, it said park vehicle as opposed to Dr. Ellie Sattler. Yeah. And um, I believe essentially that was sort of like a thing that pissed off uh, Universal because they obviously, you know, love Dr. Sattler, love Laura Dern. And again, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense because Funko has a, has a Laura Dern figure with Admiral Holdo. And oh. so I, be- I believe they're going back to the drawing board from what I was reading. Um, but it's still kind of upsetting that it happened in the first place where it's like, we literally have two mm-hmm. Malcolms, we have two Nedrys, uh, but yet no Ellie Sattler. That's like making, that's like making Star Wars figures and not making one for Leia. Like that's yeah. absurd. That's what I was just going to say. I'm looking at the page now. Look, there are two Nedrys and no Sattlers. Ugh. Especially when it's Laura Dern, who is one of our greatest living actors. Like, oh man, rewatching, she's so Mm -hmm. good. A Laura Dern Dern Funko Pop might be the thing that actually got me to buy my first Funko Pop. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they're playing at over there. Because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, some people are like, they try to write it off as like, oh, well, they were going to make one eventually. And it's like, eventually, it should have been day one. Day one. The fact that they still haven't announced it, like a new version of it, is absurd. Like the like now the new like the Jurassic Park Funko Pops are all, like in stores now, and the idea that it's been almost two months and they still haven't 
yeah, it's just, I don't know, like, I don't know 100% what's going on over there, but it's just very, it feels very, um, it just, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just the way that it, it always goes, but it's just very disappointing that they haven't tried at all to even, like, make an effort to, like, they're like, oh, don't worry, it's coming, and it's like, yeah, you can say that, but it doesn't really mean anything until you've announced it, you know, so. They always find not that they don't have them and they're, they're only ever excuses for with uh the force awakens like they didn't have ray action figures with various things and i don't know it's so easy for them to find excuses for why they don't have it but i it seems very convenient it, they all seem very convenient and none of those yeah. excuses got in the way of any of the other figures and well, it's like, oh no, all the Ray figures fell off the back of the truck <laughs> and we can't turn around. Whoops. Um, they haven't tried that yet, have they? Like, oh yeah, we totally had Ellie Sattler figures, but man, you know, when they got shipped over the forklift, it sp- accidentally speared right through the crate. We lost all of them. It was terrible. <laughs> it fell on Terry, our like our, our, uh, our warehouse manager, and really out of respect for him, uh, well, it's actually like evidence now in a crime so they're actually like help they're all the ellie figures are in a police station right now and we actually can't touch them because they're evidence and now ellie sattler's um, a murderer are you still you still sure you want to fuck yeah <laughs> on twitter people are using um people are using the hashtag ellie or bust uh ah. and, and there's um this guy Nick, who's a, a big sweetheart and who who listens to see Jurassic right he's been a him and, and so many others who listen to, to that podcast have been kind of tweeting out their support for that um, with, you know, tweeting Funko like, hey, look at our new Malcolm figure. And then it's just like, we're, we'll respond with, yeah, but where's Ellie? But where's Ellie? But where, you know, and it's yeah. like, of course, they they just ignore it or like, I don't know. Yeah, it's. But but Malcolm I mean, had a meme. So that, you know, that gives a priority, obviously. Memes take priority over equality, I guess. <laughs> You know, you see, you see one meme and those dollar signs that in your eyes just get in the way of everything. It's, That's uh, true. As nervous as I am about them bringing back old characters, if the Jurassic series brought back uh, Ellie Sattler, I'd I'd be there opening weekend, no doubt. Probably like at all three showings. Well, I mean, recently uh, Jeff Goldblum obviously has been making the rounds, and I think mm-hmm. that's very smart of Universal to make Jeff Goldblum do a lot of publicity for this movie because it's like, hey, look, it's Jeff Goldblum. You love, well, we love him anyway, yes. but. Um, but also it's just, again, kind of tying into that nostalgia, like, Hey, this Jurassic world fallen kingdom is going to have more in common with the original movies than Jurassic world in some ways. But yeah, there's been, um, there's been a lot of coy talk about Laura Dern possibly coming back for Jurassic world three. So it's, it's a real, it's, well, it's a real possibility in so much as at least it's something that the actors have been having fun with in the press and, you know, actors love, playing uh playing ball in the press where it's like oh i don't know i guess he could come back or i guess she might come back like uh if my contract is right you know and i say good on them for doing that you know i mean like you look at um you know you look at jillian anderson who basically you know revealed that she was going to be paid like Mm -hmm. less than half of david duchovny to come back and she's like nah honey don't play that way and yeah, she she yeah, I hope she doesn't fun. come back for X-Files because she's already given him too much um and they don't deserve her. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Bring back Hannibal instead. Mhm. 
Yeah. Oh, was that canceled? Uh, yeah. And yeah. they keep and Brian Fuller keeps teasing that it might come back. You know, there might be a movie or he has ideas for a TV show. No more Hannibal movies. No more. Disagree. If they can bring Mads Mikkelsen no back, that's it, it has to happen. There, they, they have. There's oh, okay, fine. You know, what? fine. I'm not even gonna get into this. It's a whole another. It's a whole other episode. <laughs> we probably will do a Hannibal episode at some point. You know, just deep dive on everything. Okay. Yeah, Lauren. Lauren. So are like, and you would say because I, I feel like there's the, the great debate is like is Silence of the Lamb a horror film or not? And I feel like maybe you fall in the camp that it's not a horror it film. It is not a horror film. It is a suspense thriller. I, I yeah. I, I'm on that oh, side, man. too. I don't know how to feel about this. That's the hill I will die on. Right? Right. <laughs> Eat okay. people's faces. That doesn't make it horror. Doesn't it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Holy motherfucker. So, okay. So, when Get Out was nominated, when the, was, when the Oscar nominations came out, and I was running around my room screaming and crying, I tweeted, like, this is the first nom- Oscar nomination for Best Picture for a horror movie since The Exorcist. And people were like, oh, my God. But, like, Silence of the Lambs. Like, how dare you? <laughs> And I was just like, um, Sense of the Lambs is a suspense thriller. Because in horror, like, what's, like, the danger is more... I kind of explain it. My friend Alex Flanagan of of the Cryptid Keeper podcast. Hi, Alex. Yeah, she she said a really cool thing about, like, the danger being being, like, imagined and fantastical versus, like the danger and suspense thriller being like real and right in front of you. But it, it was real. it was really cool and like eloquent. I don't remember exactly what she said, but this is for another episode, but science <laughs> of lambs is definitely a suspense thriller. I will die on that hill. I will go to my grave. Thank you. Sorry, Tyler Hannon. No, it's okay. I'm usually down on people parsing the difference between like what is and isn't a horror movie. But if it's people who actually know the genre and are well-versed in it, I could listen to you talk about it all day. And Lauren, obviously, you are a smart person who is a horror fan. So uh, I am very interested in your how you identify horror movies in you know other episodes of the podcast. I guess <laughs> there is so stick ar- stick around for the future Sounds of Lambs episode. It's <laughs> some completely undetermined. Date. There is actually there are actually like four no three. There is a horror dinosaur franchise called Carnosaur. Do you guys know about that? I do not. You know who's in. You know who's in the first Carnosaur? Laura Dern's mom. Are you serious? What? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Um, Diane Ladd? Yeah, yeah, that's Holy who it is. Holy moly, yeah, she's hell! In, she's in Carnosaur. Oh my god, okay. Isn't that, cr- that is crazy. I didn't know that. I've only seen the first one. Have you seen the? Have you seen all of them? Or I, I've only seen the first one. I have seen the first and the second. The second is it's the second was so the way it was that I didn't want to see the third. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. I need to be really, really not sober to get through this because, like, I love campy horror. Like, I love so you have so you have like your like what's called like hard sci-fi and then what's called soft sci-fi. So hard hard sci-fi is like your post-apocalyptic this could really happen type deal we're imagining like a real future. And then soft sci-fi is like really campy like aliens with laser guns type deal. Um so I love a, I love a soft 
sci-fi movie that's ha- that has some horror like blended in but like carnosaur 2 was like was on par with like troll 2 for me so like uh. <laughs> i have to re-watch it re-enter it as like this is not serious but i think it's interesting that carnosaur came out like what like a month before jurassic park or something yes yeah 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 yeah, they right right, i think it was roger corman like they raced to get it out basically ahead of time it's like it's like ants or uh like uh just any of those like knockoff like like the knockoff dreamworks kind of like things back in the 90s or whatever or the year they released two disaster asteroid movies in the same year yeah or two magician movies (laughs) <laughs> there's actually also I mean, magicians are always in vogue. Ma- magicians are always <laughs> in vogue is that what you just said uh i think that's just magicians a fact magicians are always in vogue right? okay yeah all yep. right now you see me is oh evidence, yeah right? yeah okay all right i never watched those because that's like the jesse eisenberg one right uh yes. i can't take i mean i'm a i've never seen them yeah. either Okay, I can't. I mean, I'm afraid of magic, so you're afraid of magic. No, no, I'm okay. It is pretty spooky, though. You're like, how do they do it? Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. I no, I I I can see it because I do. I I know that ostensibly there is some way that they're able to do it, but I don't know what it is. And I grew up religious, so I think they might secretly be demons. Oh, oh, that's that's fair. Um, <laughs> wait, Lauren Carnosaur. My favorite part about it is, or at least the first one, because it's like the special effects are literally the opposite of Jurassic Park. Like yes. I think they, I think that movie was like ten thousand dollars as opposed to uh, thirty million. Yeah, uh, was my favorite was they would like, like I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe it because we're on a podcast, but like imagine like Tyler imagine um like a video game like a POV and mm-hmm. at a, on the corner of the camera like sticking out is this is like a dinosaur and so the camera is like almost stuck on the side of the dinosaur and it's like chasing the actors yeah but it's, they're trying they're trying to do that forced perspective thing where it looks like a huge dinosaur is chasing these actors but it's literally it's so clearly just somebody holding a dinosaur toy on the side of the camera <laughs> that's what i love about it it's oh my god like oh it's just i'm I'm flipping through some pictures now i haven't come across one that illustrates that which is actually kind of a bummer because i need to see that now you gotta just type it in on youtube and like there's like there's like a roundup i think of like all the kills and then like like some like oh. i guess quote unquote the best scenes i'm putting air quotes is there like a right now. is there like an this looks like an alien like there's something coming out of this woman's stomach in this picture that doesn't 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 somebody get pregnant with a dinosaur uh, yes! at some point is that, I thought that was in the second i thought that was in the second one how does oh it is oh i Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Lauren, how does that happen? I just, I need to take, I, we need to take time. I need to know how someone got impregnated with a dinosaur. I, it's been a while. I'm getting excited because it's been so long since I've seen these. Is it just alien? Like they just alien with dinosaurs or? I don't, I don't remember. I will say the scariest part about the alien franchise is those face huggers. Like nothing scares me more than a face hugger. I don't want to see like, like those baby photos where like the, what do you call it? Like the pacifier is like a face hugger or whatever. I hate that no. shit. Not, <laughs> not in my house. 
That's it's disturbing. so scary. I don't like them. No, thank you. See, that Good sounds night, awful, and I don't want it. But my sister also just had a kid, and now I'm tempted to send her one. They're they, not no, like. No. I mean, it's. I guess it's a cute idea if you're like a super weirdo. But like, there's so many like plushies and stuff, and like, I don't like. No, not in my child's crib. You know, Lauren, you just said earlier that. Universal should embrace the super weirdos and like having more blood and stuff. And now you're condemning the super weirdos for having fun no, pacifiers. I'm not. No, I don't. I just, they're so scary. Have you ever seen the diagram photo oh. of the face hugger and what it's doing? Oh, this Google image search is upsetting. Oh. Uh, face yeah. hugger diagram. That no, is the uh. worst thing in the whole world. And like, it is so horrible. And like the way it's the, like the, what it's doing to, like to the throat and it's oh, implanting no. the egg, like it's going through the throat and that's how it ends up in your stomach and bursts through your stomach. And like, ah. Lauren, why did you tell me about this? Now I Googled it and I'm very upset. Yeah. It's like, it's like the person's alive and breathing. Right. But like, it's the thing is impregnating it. Like, imp- like, ah, they're like also like so horrible. recreating the diagram, which are just as upsetting. It's upsetting. Wait, did you both did you both see Alien Covenant? Yes. No. Okay. I Alien Covenant's pretty upsetting in that kind of realm. Oh, oh god. Alien Covenant is very upsetting in many like oh, ah yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't see Covenant because I thought Prometheus was trash. Yeah, Prometheus is pretty much trash. I I, um, I liked Covenant, better. but I actually liked Covenant better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I liked Covenant better too. I don't know. The alien part of the movie is almost like the least substantial, and the the weird arty part where Michael Fassbender is teaching another robot, Michael Fassbender, to play the flute yes. with one arm. Like that's the part of the movie that's really good. I don't know oh, how he did on. that. I don't know. Oh man. Watching Covenant made me almost made Prometheus seem better in retrospect in that it's like, yeah. oh, that's what he needed to do to like transition to what he actually wants to do now. And he's not trying to force himself to do alien things as much. Yeah, I think some I think it's like how Topher Grace recut the prequels to be in one movie. I think somebody needs to re- recut Prometheus to be or Prometheus and Covenant to be like one movie. Like that's not really the alien part, just the other parts. One, I'm surprised I'd, I'm surprised that doesn't exist yet because that seems like something that definitely should. Two, I forgot that Topher Grace did that. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I want to learn how to edit. Let me just recut the prequels. To be fair, Steven Soderbergh has done basically that with different movies except making them black and white. And he gets all like all sorts of great headlines for just doing that. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he like recut uh, one of the Indiana Jones movies into like a black and white movie, and it actually looks really cool. To be fair, oh wow! I would just like to say that the most upsetting part of Topher Grace's career is the film "Take Me Home Tonight," which is a film based on the incredible hit "Take Me Home Tonight," and they just Lord. like how could they? They like they really took my favorite Eddie Money song and they made this terrible, awful film with Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris, <laughs> Anna Ferris, whatever. And like it is like the worst thing in the history of the world. And and like why? So when someone says Toe for Grace, I don't even think about that 70s show anymore. I just think of that. Wait, what's the story? Because I love that song too, but what's the story? Or like is it like a fictionalized version of Eddie Money and um Inspector, or is it like just a? No, I wish. This Wikipedia plot summary of that movie is way too long. It's a mess. 
Basically, like, Anna Ferris is, like, Topher Grace's twin sister, and, like, he was, he basically, like, he's, like, this really snot-nosed kid, like, he graduates from MIT, but he, like, doesn't want to be a successful, like, career person, so he's gonna take a job <laughs> at a video store. <laughs> and then, like, his high school crush, like, invites him, walks in the video store, and she, like, invites him to this, like, end of summer party. And he's, like, he's, like, yeah, like, I'm gonna get with her finally. I'm gonna be, like, this cool guy. And, like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm an asshole. And, like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, you know, and, like, this is a really upsetting, like, movie. So, yeah. It's just really boring. And it's a funny, this is my favorite review of this movie. Ready? Ready? <laughs> the, film's t- the film's title, an apparent shout out to Eddie Money's classic 80s tune, is something of a mystery. No one goes home. No one takes anyone home. And the song is, the song itself is nowhere to be found. What? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. That's the most yeah. upsetting part. Yeah, but they were promoting it, like, with the song and stuff. And, like, the way the trailer was cut, you really thought, like, maybe, like, this would be, like, an 80s, like, homage type of film. And then it just ended up being, like, the worst. Uh, so The IMDb plot description is, four years after graduation, an awkward high school genius uses his sister's Labor Day party no, her sister's his sister's boyfriend's Labor Day party as the perfect opportunity to make his move on his high school crush. Yeah. Yeah, it's Good. fucking stupid. And the O in the tonight on the cover has like the bullhorns, whatever the, the index finger pinky finger yeah. sign partying, you know? It looks really uh, good, Lauren. It looks really good. How did we get here? How did we get here? Oh, Topher Grace because of Prometheus, because of something. <laughs> We're going to do a double feature of Take Me Home Tonight and Carnosaur. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've done worse. I've done worse double features like like Salo, 120 Days of Sodom, and friggin' the Serbian film in one weekend. All right. Wow, that's rough. I know. That's rough. <laughs> I know. I was so young, too. Why? I don't know. Watch. Because I'm a bad person. It's very sadomasochistic of you. I was. I don't. I don't know. I've grown since then. I've truly grown. I mean, last weekend was so long ago. You know. You know. No, I was eight. I think I was eighteen when I did that. That was how old am I now? I'm turning twenty-five. What are numbers? I don't know. It was a while ago. I don't even know when your birthday is. July eighteenth. I'm a Cancer. Okay, that's still plenty of time. Okay. Yeah. 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 Do you have time to prepare for this double feature you're doing for your birthday this year? <laughs> I'm going to fly out and we're going to do it. I would cry if you flew out for my birthday because I'm going to be like alone in Florida, like like under, like, I don't know. I'm just, I just don't want to go home for my birthday, but we're doing it. You don't have to go home for your birthday. You can do whatever you want. You could tour America. I, I have to. I have to see my, well, I'm doing, I'm celebrating my birthday going on like a road trip, like the first week of July. And then I'm going to be home for my birthday. So I'm doing all the fun birthday stuff before my birthday, like my little road trip and cute shit and like seeing the front bottoms. But like the, I don't know, maybe my parents don't want to, I tried to make everyone sit down and watch Jurassic Park with me and like no one was phased. Wait, when was that? Over the summer. No, everyone was like, why are you scared? I'm like, because science is scary. Leave me alone. That's like Michael Crichton's whole genre. Like everything that that was his writing career was science is terrifying. Look how. Yeah, no, really. Science scares me more than horror. Yeah. What? I like, mean, yeah. he wrote a whole book about how much he hated medical school. Um, it's called The Terminal Man. Uh, it's really good, though. Oh. Yeah, it's, That's one of the few I haven't read. It's really good. And I haven't seen the movie, but George Siegel 
from he was the boss and just shoot me plays a guy who uh, basically he has like violent outbursts. And so these doctors try and put um, a computer in his head because it's the early seventies. And it's like, Whoa, look at this crazy computer in his brain. And then it basically makes him like more <laughs> evil. And it's a cool book. Cause it like, it basically kind of paints a picture of what uh, like West LA by UCLA looked like in the seventies. And basically how all these doctors are selfish and incompetent and like egotistical and they lead to like them, like basically putting a computer in this person's brain and it makes them more violent and stuff. Uh, the book's really good. This brings up a whole different question of why aren't there more good movies based on Michael Crichton novels? Right. Let's see how many, how many movies of how many books. My Lord of the Rings phase was actually really short. I had a much longer Michael Crichton phase in my teens. Um, I was very lucky. I got to meet him um, before he passed away. Um, wow. Yeah, I met him in 2002 when the book Prey came out. Yeah. Uh, I was 16. Oh. And it was like a public, it was like a public library speaking engagement thing where like he talked about the book and he talked about a bunch of other stuff. And then there was a dinner. And so my dad paid for the dinner part. So after the dinner, I like went up to him and got him to sign my book and I talked to him for a minute and yeah, it was very nice. And that is so cool. It was very cool. And it was also, I'm glad I talked to, I glad I met him before all the anti-global warming stuff. Cause you know, sometimes some people are just on the wrong side of history and unfortunately he passed away being wrong. <laughs> yeah. That bad. Oh. His, his, oh. his later years. I didn't know stuff. that. Oh, good lord. You, okay. Yeah. I'm glad I met him before all that. Have you read any of his posthumous novels, Stephen? Uh. Uh, I mean, I want to read Dragon's Teeth because it's, you know, I think a lot of people are reading it because that was released last year and it was about all the bone wars. Basically how, again, how shitty and mean scientists are because all the early paleontologists uh, had these, like these two paleontologists had this lifelong rivalry where they basically were like, we must do anything in the name of science, even destroy bones so that my competitor won't get them. It's pretty fucked up. Um, there's a great dollop episode about it, actually. Um, and then there's also a PBS documentary about it. And then Michael Crichton did the you know the fictionalized version of it. But I haven't read it yet, but I want to because I, I find that period of history very fascinating. I didn't know that he wrote that Congo was like his novel. Oh, yeah, it was. That 1995 yeah. movie with Laura Linney. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, well, okay. I'm, I will say because as of this, by the time this episode comes out, um, see Jurassic Rights April Fool's episode will have dropped, which we did a whole episode mm. about Congo. Um, oh. So that'll come out, well, tomorrow, but, you know, uh, by the time this recording comes out, it will have already been released. And my friend uh, Megan Baker and I talked about our love of how bad but how amazing Congo is. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, Tim Curry with the, like, the most irredeemable Russian accent or not even Russian, it's like Croatian or something. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, the the I mean the book is is pretty good, but the movie is to me like one of my pleasure, like one of my favorite like fun films to watch. There's a lot to love about it, um, despite it not being very good. Ernie but, Hudson. Uh, yeah, it's Ernie Hudson's uh, Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson has said that it's his favorite 
uh, film role. Oh, okay. I love him so much. I mean, in the like the crow. Oh, I, oh my god, I cry thinking about him in the crow. I just cry and cry. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, he's he's really. I get weepy. I also for for most of my childhood thought Congo and Mighty Joe Young were the same movie for some weird reason. Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that, hey, that spe- speaking of. Uh, Speaking of movies where there's a bunch of the same kind of movie, yeah, the mid-90s were also a big time for a lot of, like, gorilla movies. Yeah, why uh, was that? We were just, you know, we were on a high from Jurassic Park, and so we wanted other animal movies. We wanted uh, Congo, Mighty Joe Young, Anaconda, uh, Deep Does Blue George of the Jungle count? George yeah, I think that counts. Jungle, watch out for that tree. <laughs> uh, the Mummy. Congratulations, Lauren. That's the new theme song. Speaking of Brendan Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> I oh my god. I didn't oh Bill Paxton. Oh, I'm so sad now. Oh I forgot that he was a major young. I had no idea that was Charlie Staring. Oh yeah, that was. Oh my god. There's another gorillas there's another gorilla movie from the nineties that I confuse as well. Was uh, Mighty Joe Young pre or uh post monster? Oh wow. Uh pre. Pre. Okay, so she Mighty Joe Young was ninety eight. So she was slumming it in Mighty Joe Young, and then she was like, you know what? I'm going to win an Oscar by portraying serial killer. Yeah. Uh, yes. And now gorillas are cool again because we have the Planet of the Apes movies and Rampage is coming out this year. And there's going to be a King Kong versus Godzilla movie. This all, this all comes no. full circle. It all... <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. They're gonna, no, let's, let's remake Godzilla versus <laughs> Mechagodzilla. I clearly have a favorite. Yeah. Your team Godzilla. It's just, yeah, it's just so cool because it's like a robot, you know? Lauren, have you, <laughs> so there's a there's a, God, a new Godzilla anime on Netflix that's actually pretty good. And I think it hints that it's going to be Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla in the sequel. I'm just going to throw <gasps> that out there. It's like maybe slight spoilers, but that yeah. That makes me happy. I just, I love Godzilla. And that's everyone, there, wait, didn't, didn't a monster movie come out last year? That was like compared to like the, the one that Anne wasn't Anne Hathaway in it. Oh, um, oh the ki- the kaiju movie. Yeah, Colossal. I never saw that, but I heard it's really Colossal. good. Yeah, no, okay. that movie uh, it, it is good, but it is much. Uh, there is a lot more. Um, let's see, uh, human level distress in that movie than you might expect, involving a lot of mm-hmm. toxic ma- masculinity actually being the villain. Oh, okay. Uh, so like it's it, it's good. It's just a uh, much more distressing watch than you might expect going in. Like, oh, Anne Hathaway is a monster. That's fun. That is not what it is. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was told that it might, that you know because I I'm not triggered by much honestly. Like, and it really it's always really specific things that really set me off. And someone was like, Lauren, I think I think Colossal might have some of your specific things. And I was like, oh, don't tell me that. Like, oh, okay. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is because I think uh, I, I don't want to speak too much for Kayla, but I'm pretty sure she was also a little blindsided by what the actual premise of the movie is. Because uh, okay. no one told me that no one told me that I Tanya was going to be 90 minutes of Margot Robbie getting hit in the face. So spoiler, yeah, jeez. Oh, it was so. Oh my god, the movie is horribly upsetting, and they like kind of put it put all the upsettingness under the guise of comedy. Like, like watch at your own risk. That's good. That's yeah. good to know. I mean, yeah. when you put it that way, I'd see. I feel like I won't watch it anytime soon. 
it's like it's like funny but horrible but funny but horrible but oh god why and why god but like oh alice and janey's great that's your review on the back of the blu-ray yeah that's my blurb (laughs) so i think it's been 20 minutes since we talked about jurassic world or park I think it I think it all kind of ties in, you know, it's kind of that yeah. headspace we're in right now. Yeah, God, I think that's kind of where we're at. Godzilla is technically a mutated dinosaur. Yes. So we're hoping for that reboot soon. Take that, so Jurassic Tyler World Hand. or not Jurassic World. So Godzilla versus Indominus Rex. That's what you're really hoping for from the third Jurassic Park movie. <gasps> that would be cool. Just because she got swallowed by the Mosasaur doesn't mean in a post-credit sequence she can't burst out of the stomach and Katie McGrath is riding the Indominus Rex to seek their revenge. Ooh, I'm into it. I just like, <laughs> I like battles, man. I like it when a big scary thing battles another big scary thing. Or when a pack of small spirit, scary things battle a big scary thing. I, I, when you, for some reason, you said pack of small scary things and my brain went to Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> that was not a good movie. <laughs> Freddy versus the Freddy versus Blue. Oh, oh, that's not a fair fight because Freddy got dream magic. What are dinosaur dreams, though? I don't know. Like, what? What killed the dinosaurs? Uh, Meteor, I, meteors. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, their nightmares are meteors and shit. So Freddy goes into Blue's dreams, but then finds out he has uh, more in store for him than he planned on. Turns out dinosaur dreams are much more dangerous for Freddy than human dreams. I uh, watched that. There you go. <laughs> A Jurassic Park movie starring Freddy Krueger as the distressed person trying to flee the island. There you go. <laughs> I'd watch that kind of a little bit. <laughs> Oh, we actually st- oh, we actually still don't know what killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm in grad school, everybody. I'm actually a teacher, and I totally forgot there's like multiple answers to that. But uh, you don't teach paleontology. Please take, please take that's true. Please take my class in the fall anyway. <laughs> I completely forgot that was a thing. Paleontology. Um, or it's been a hot minute. No, that 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 there's <laughs> that we don't know exactly what okay. killed them. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's still not like there's yeah, there's not a conclusive 100%. I feel like I've uh, bam bam, thank you ma'am. <laughs> Just apply a Bowie quote to the extinction of the dinosaurs. I mean, what other kind of quote would you apply to the dinosaurs? Blue <laughs> does seem like a big Bowie fan. I feel like, I feel yeah, I but yeah, you know what pissed me? You know this ties in. I swear to God, this is related. Okay, the Guardians of the Galaxy two trailer had all Bowie songs, and then there was not one Bowie song in the movie. So Chris Pratt can hear from my lawyer. <laughs> false advertising. It was false advertising. Like damn, like that soundtrack. The second one was not was very underwhelming. I think not enough Bowie. So. There wasn't enough anything. I hate that song, the oh my god, the brandy song, the brandy you're a fine girl. I hate that song. Uh, that, yeah. uh, that awkward part in Guardians 2 where they talk out the lyrics. Oh my god, like just shoot me dead. <laughs> Guardians aren't my favorite Marvel movies for sure. Well, I like them a lot, like I but at the same time, the second the second one just overdid it on trying to like recapture the first movie. Like overdid it on the jokes, blah blah blah. But I love that damn raccoon. 
I would die for that raccoon. <laughs> I would die for Rocket. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him in uh, Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. Teenage Groot. Oh my god, Teenage Groot. Oh, can we play? We didn't talk about in Jurassic World the one of the unsung heroes in that movie. When, when, when those, when the flying reptiles are coming, like through the main part of the park, do we notice the guy? Like every, they're like, please. The the voice is like, please take shelter. The guy picks up both his margaritas (laughs) and like starts like scurry off. Like that's like one of my favorite parts of Jurassic World. And that person is Jimmy Buffett. (laughs) I. I Isn't didn't even notice. I didn't even notice the first time that Margaritaville was in the park. I thought that was hilarious. Well, it's funny because uh, Frank Marshall, the producer, is really good friends with Jimmy Buffett. So basically, a lot of Frank Marshall films, Jimmy Buffett has a cameo in, including Congo, um, oh. which which Frank Marshall directed. And uh, yeah, it, it's. Frank Marshall is actually a really fun producer to follow on Twitter, mostly because he's usually retweeting like Margaritaville related <gasps> things um, oh in between god, talking that... about Jurassic World. Oh my god, that is Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, isn't oh it crazy? Oh my god, this is my favorite GIF of all <laughs> time. Oh my god, they do such a you can't really tell it's him though. For a man that has an entire restaurant chain and musical named after his music and his work, uh, he really, you know, really gets into the role of the character in, in Jurassic World. <laughs> oh really my kind of, God, you know, my whole really life commits. is so, oh my God. See, now I like the movie that much more knowing that's actually Jimmy Buffett. Oh my God, that's so crazy. Oh, okay. So see, now the film just went up another point for me. See, there you go. Saved. Saved by the Margaritas. The little things. Yeah. It's those little things, really, that make Ty- a big difference. Tyler Hannon is not impressed right now. <laughs> no, I actually am. I want to know what your point scale is. Um, <laughs> not I just how I... much, but, like, how like how are points apportioned? Like, what do movies have to do to gain a point on that point scale? They have to they have to play on different emotions. Like, the fact that that's Jimmy Buffett, like, that, like, warms my heart of hearts. My cold, dark heart. Like it warms it, and so the, if you warm my heart, that's a point. I think that's the margarita. Right? It just—it's just like I loved it before knowing that it was Jimmy Buffett, and now that I know it's Jimmy Buffett, like, like he was part big part of my childhood because my dad's like a huge Jimmy Buffett fan. So like, I just your I'm dad's so, a parrot head. Yes, he he went to the Sleepless Nights tour. Oh my god! Speaking of cruises, yeah. Uh, oh my god. So, like, what Spielberg is to us, Jimmy Buffett is to your dad. Well, I uh, no, no. The I would say the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and shit okay, are his Spielberg. Okay. He just he just happens to like Jimmy Buffett as well. Because how how could you not if you're like a you're a sixty four year old dude lives in Florida? That, that does seem like right in the demo, right? Like it just yeah, it just makes sense. Oh man, Jimmy Buffett has some jams. I'm so happy that he's in Jurassic World and that he like makes cameos like in like all oh, that's so cool, Steven. You just made my whole life very happy. He's in where yeah. is he? In, where is he in Congo though? He was the airplane airplane pilot, the first uh, the first plane oh. that they get on. And like when Amy drinks the martini. Oh wow! <laughs> gasp of discovery. I, I was really loud. I'm so no, excited right now. This is terrible. 
oh, this is my life. These are the things that like. This move is what me. people listen this far into the podcast for. Is those personal moments of discovery like, by their favorite co-hosts. This is just like so awesome. Like Steven's the best. I'm so glad that I can help you. Like, cause that's my favorite thing is like when I talk to somebody and they like, we did a, we did an episode of Sea Jurassic, right? Where my friends, Annie and Megan, who is on the Congo April Fool's episode where they, they really like, for a long time, The Lost World was kind of my least favorite Jurassic Park movie. And they kind of really opened my eyes to think about it in a lot of new and interesting ways. And so that's my favorite. So whether it's something as, you know, it, I, I just love it when somebody can make me re- look at a movie and think about it differently. So I'm glad I could, uh, yeah. uh, I'm glad I could <laughs> add to that a little bit for you, Lauren. I'm so excited. <laughs> Tell my dad. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. And, and thank you. Tyler. I would also like to thank Stephen because this has also helped me appreciate the Jurassic franchise more. I, I I mean, I still probably like Jurassic World the least of us, but that is a matter of relativity. And so, yeah. <laughs> but I think sure. we probably should wrap up the, you know, the actual recording. Alas, alas. I mean, I'm ready to get a margarita, you know? <laughs> That's true, Lauren. I mean, now we like. Yeah. I feel like all three of us have to go out in our respective areas because I, I'm in the spirit now. I feel like I have to celebrate Jimmy Buffett's life and work. I know, um, right? Uh, so that brings us to the end of our Jurassic talk, which went to many different places. And it was so much fun. It, it was. Stephen, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, yeah. especially since I uh, was a Jurassic World doubter. And uh, they have decried it many times. And the, your your patience and your willingness to talk about the things you love about the franchise uh, in the face of that, I appreciate. You know, I, I was worried I was going to be a bit of a downer. No, no. I mean, again, thank you both for having me on. And um, I mean, again, I think it's for me, it's fun to talk about. I mean, you know, it's you want to talk about like what you love, but I think also, I think when you really love something, you can also talk about, I mean, it's just important to talk about why you love and not like, or, you know, I don't know. There's very few things I think maybe I like unabashedly, except maybe margaritas. I don't think there's anything you can criticize about a good margarita, frankly, if it's done well, but um, no, I had a great time. Tyler, Lauren, I, th- I appreciate you both uh, yeah. having me on because it's yeah, it's such a fun time to talk about Jurassic Park and Jurassic thanks World. For ha- thanks for coming. Like, thank you. Like, thank you so much. Like, I knew this would be fun. So I'm glad we could convince you to just like talk to us about nothing for two hours. Oh, no, this is amazing. And it's also beautiful because you summed up a recurring theme of our podcast, which is uh, even the things we love, you have to analyze critically because there is no perfect work of art. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can get a lot of value out of examining the things you like and don't like. Totally. Lauren, thank you also for being with us today. Yeah. So, Stephen, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, you are the podcast superstar in this on this recording right now, and you have many different projects. Uh, before we go, why don't you tell us about uh, some of the pro- like what you have coming up soon on your various podcasts and projects, so that we can check them out. Sure. So, I do specifically related to this podcast. See uh, Jurassic Right is a film podcast. Well, uh, it's it's not only just talking about Jurassic Park, but it's talking about like what. And I think you could do this with any anything really is talking about or what's fun for me is why 
this thing that you like means something to you and kind of the weird and interesting stories um, and interesting conversations that develop from the thing that you like. And see Jurassic right is filled with uh, examples of that from, you know, from somebody walking down the aisle to the Jurassic Park theme song to, mm-hmm. you know, somebody being inspired to get into paleontology Um at the end of April, I'm doing a full episode about Jurassic World in which I chatted with Lauren Lapkus, who plays Vivian in the film. And I had a conversation with Courtney James Clark, who was the Mosasaur announcer in Jurassic World. So that episode's coming out at the end of April, where I talked to both of them because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they have, a, they have smaller parts in the movie, even though they're very memorable. And they were both very kind to talk to me about what it was like being part of a big blockbuster machine and dealing with green screens and Courtney talks about like uh, how she, you know, she couldn't leave her trailer without somebody draping her with a blanket so that nobody would see her costume. Uh, you know, Vivian talked about improving lines with, or uh, Lauren Lapkus talked about uh, improving lines with uh, Colin, you know, Colin Trevorrow kind of like, you know, improving new dialogue and stuff for the f- film and everything. And, but also just like, you know, again, personal stories too, and how the film, you know, affected fans lives and stuff like that too. And, um, yeah, that's see Jurassic, right? We just did a music episode where we talked about all the music of the movies. And then we had some talented musicians actually cover the theme songs. Um, a woman named, uh, Stephanie Franciotti, uh, she's known by her musician name, sleep infinity symbol over. And she covered the John Williams theme songs from Jurassic park, but she's like a total synth vapor wave electro pop artist. And so she gave like her, synthy vibes to the classic Jurassic Park theme songs. So that episode is out already. So if you go look for that episode, episode 11, you can hear just these amazing, really crazy uh, covers of the Jurassic Park theme music. So check that out. Um, and then, yeah, as always, I do uh, that's see Jurassic, right? And then as always, I do a podcast with my friend, Sarah, where we talk to people about their cats called the Percast. And um, I also produce my favorite murder. Um, Karen and Georgia are amazing and talk about all kinds of murder and true crime and sinkholes and weird stuff. So you can Sinkhole. check them out. Those yeah. all sound sinkholes. so wonderful. <laughs> so yeah, thank you. They are. They, I listen to all of them. I listen to pretty much everything Stephen does because, you know, I'm normal. Oh. I do. I, I, am, I very, love very you. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. I love you too, Lauren. That's so sweet. That really, yeah, that yeah. means a lot. So, yes, listen to everything Stephen does. You will not regret it. And those will all be in the notes because that's just that's just polite. You know, if someone's going to plug stuff. You put it in the notes. But I also I especially this music episode, I feel really bad that I did not listen to before this episode because that is like right up my alley and it looks so wonderful. So I cannot wait to listen. But again, thank you both of you for joining us today. And listeners will be back soon with something. I don't know where or when or what it will be yet, but it will be soon. <laughs> And that's uh, that's yeah. the end. I don't have a. We used to have. Oh man, we don't have it. We don't have an ending. <laughs> hold on to your butts. Oh, well, <laughs> hold on. Still, well, we're back in the car again, and so forth. Yes. <laughs> yeah, life uh, finds a way. <laughs> <laughs>